Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak your word, that we would hear your word, and it would bear fruit in our lives all to your honor and glory. So we pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Would you please be seated wherever you are? And as you're being seated, if you'd turn with me to Acts chapter 1, you can turn back in your bulletin or open up your own Bible, Acts chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. Acts chapter 6 beginning with verse 1. There are few images in our minds that better depict love and gentle care than that of a shepherd. Now, in the ancient world, the care of a shepherd was probably quite a bit rougher than we might typically imagine, but the image was similar then as now. A shepherd cared for and sacrificed for, and provided for, and guided, and even loved the sheep. And it's this image, the image of the shepherd, that Jesus uses to describe himself. And we remember it on this Sunday each year. Jesus is the shepherd that cares for and even lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus is our good shepherd. As we see in the psalm that we read today, Psalm 23, it says that the Lord is our shepherd, God is our shepherd. And then in the New Testament, Jesus, God incarnate, the second person of the Trinity, is called our shepherd. Jesus is our heavenly shepherd who has come to us and cares for us, and he's laid down his life for us, and he leads us and guides us in the way that we should go as a good shepherd should. God incarnate, Jesus Christ, is our shepherd. And then God, in his wisdom and grace, has then called individuals in the church to serve as shepherds of his people in his name, to care for the church, to guide the church, to protect the church. We call these people clergy, bishops, priests, and deacons. So God is our shepherd, and then God comes to us in Jesus to be our shepherd, and then he calls his clergy to continue that care for his people as shepherds. And these three offices in the church, the bishops, priests, and deacons, it goes all the way back to the New Testament ordering of the church and instructions given to us in the Bible. And certainly over time, they've developed into what we know today with things like a diocese and congregations and bishops and priests and deacons serving as clergy. But this is a significant way that God continues to pastor, continues to shepherd us, his people. He sets up bishops and priests and deacons to continue his ministry of shepherding his people. And in our reading today from Acts chapter 6, we see what we would now call the first deacons. Now, the word deacon is not technically used in this passage, but its related words like service and serve are. So, if you would, look at verse 1. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Distribution is the word service, and I'm going to give it to you in Greek so you can sort of hear the connection, that word is diakonia, from which we get the word deacon. 
And then the word in verse 2 for serve tables is just the verb of the same word. And so there is a ministry problem. There's a diakonia problem. And the solution to that diakonia problem is to ordain deacons, to deacon, to serve. God is our shepherd, and he raises up and ordains leaders in the church to pastor, to shepherd, to care for his people. And one of those offices, one of those groups that he is called to help shepherd his people in his name is the deacons. And this event in Acts chapter 6 is traditionally recognized as the calling of the first deacons. So today, on this Good Shepherd Sunday that we commemorate each year, we're going to look together at one of the ways that Jesus continues to shepherd us, his people. He does that, as we'll see today, by calling the deacons to continue his ministry and to help care for his people. And so we're going to look at this specific and special ministry and how this office in God's uh, ordering of things helps the mission of the church and help points, helps point us to Jesus and helps us grow as his followers. So I want to offer three aspects of this specific office that helps us grow and helps us better worship Jesus. So three ways that we see that. And the first is this. The office of the deacon helps the church grow. The office of the deacon helps the church grow. Look at verse 1. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number. So, the, this begins with the church is growing. God is at work. People are coming to faith. Lives are being transformed. Many are joining the church, and it's growing. And as it happens, as a church grows, so did the needs. And as the needs and ministry opportunities grew, it was not possible for the apostles, for the twelve, to do everything that was required, and things were falling through the cracks. People weren't being shepherded well. Ministry opportunities were being missed. Now, I would say these are problems of growth, but they're problems all the same. So, I've been the solo pastor of a church, and very quickly, as we saw that as we grew in number, it was very clear that if I had to do everything, it was going to fall apart. Partially because, honestly, I'm just not good at everything, and we need to hand off important roles to people who are far better at it than I am. But also, biblically, we see very clearly that one person can't and shouldn't do it all. That's what's happening here in Acts, just on a much larger scale. The church is growing, and as we see, deacons are needed to help keep it growing and deepening. And also, the apostles, are the, the apostles, these key leaders, need to be able to be free to do what they are uniquely called to do. And so their response in verse 2, they say, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word in order to serve tables. The apostles need to be able to devote themselves to their calling, and they need other godly and gifted and spirit-filled individuals to take over some key ministries in order to help to keep the church growing and deepening. They're not disparaging serving tables. I mean, it sort of sounds like that a little bit to our ears. You know, it's 
sounds a little bit like maybe they're saying it's not right for us to neglect preaching in order to do something that low like serve tables, but that's not their attitude at all. They recognize, and if you see what they do as a result, they recognize that the need here is so important, it's so valuable that they need to ordain, to use our word, to ordain seven gifted and godly individuals full of the Holy Spirit to do this essential ministry well and to help the people uh, of God in service. And so this is actually why today deacons in our tradition are tasked with setting the communion table following this passage in Acts chapter 6 when the deacons are called to, among other things, serve tables. So at our table, the deacons serve. This is a God-given task that should be appreciated by God, by God's people. So recently I was at our diocesan clergy gathering. This was before all the stay-at-home orders and everything were in effect. And I was asked to, uh, to, to do something, and I needed some help. And so I sort of, a little bit under my breath, a little bit uh, loud enough where they, can, um, they could hear me, I said, I need a deacon. And a young deacon, probably three or four chairs away from me, almost physically jumped out of his chair and said, I'm a deacon, because he was absolutely ready to step in and help. And the whole point was, I needed a helper, and his role is a helping role, so he was instantly ready to jump in and help. His office was needed, and he was immediately ready to help. And that's exactly the model that we see in Acts chapter 6. Some leaders are called to do certain roles, and they need to be freed up to do so. And the office of the deacon is a helping ministry, serving the church and helping, in this case, the bishops and the priests to do what they were called to do. And so the ministry of the deacon helps the church grow because it frees others up to do what they need to do, and it keeps essential ministries of the church going. And this is also a key insight for us here at Holy Cross as we as a church grow. It's a little funny to say that to an empty room, but we've been growing actually quite a bit in the past year. But the reality is, as we see here, things change as that happens. Organizational setups that used to work might not work in the future. As the community changes, new structures and ministries and facilities and things are going to be needed. I find it really interesting to realize that these widows in Acts chapter 6 were not going to have access to the apostles in the same way that they used to, but they're actually going to be cared for much better. The gospel never changes, and as the church grows, it doesn't matter. The gospel will never change, but other things will, and that's actually a good thing. And as we see here, the ministry of the deacons is a God-given way to help keep the church moving forward and reaching lost people and worshiping our Lord. And then as we see in verse 7, after the deacons were called and were ordained, it says, and the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. See, the office of the deacon helps the church grow. Second, the office of the deacon models 
our service. It models our service. It models service for us. See, we don't ordain deacons to do all the serving. They do an essential service, but they don't do all of the service. And this office of ministry helps set an example for all of us of how we should serve and minister. So as one writer put it, a deacon is, quote, an enabler of the ministry of all the baptized. Their ministry helps to equip you, and it should help model for you what your service should look like. So in John 13, when Jesus tells his followers to wash one another's feet as he washed theirs, he was talking about all of us. All followers of Jesus are called to serve each other and serve the world. Each and every one of us is called to serve. And the deacon's service should help us learn to serve well by witnessing a really good example of it. You see, you are personally called to serve the church and the world. What that looks like will differ from person to person, but you are personally called to serve. Perhaps that's through faithful intercessory prayer on behalf of the church. Perhaps it's through visiting shut-ins or volunteering your time in the church building, serving coffee, serving in the nursery, teaching Sunday school. Maybe it's creatively implementing ministry to the local community. But every single one of us should identify ways that we can serve through the church. Deacons don't do it for us, but they model for us what all of us need to do. Serving faithfully and sacrificially in the church and in the world. So the office of deacon helps the church grow and it models for us our service. And third, and by far the most important, the office of the deacon points us to Jesus. This office points us to Jesus. So deacon means servant. That's what it means. A deacon is, by very nature, called to serve. And doing so should, as the prayer book puts it in the ordination service, a deacon should proclaim Christ at all times through your service. The office of the deacon is supposed to point all of us to Jesus, to proclaim Jesus' love and care for us, and pointing all of us to his service for us. So Jesus says of himself in Mark chapter 10, he says uh, of himself, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Or if you will permit me a rather loose translation for effect. For even the Son of Man came not to be deaconed to, but to deacon, to give his life as a ransom for many. And so our office of deacon is supposed to model for all of us the sort of service that our Lord does for us. Think again of how Jesus humbled himself 
and washed the disciples' feet. The office of the deacon is supposed to model that kind of service and humility for us. Constantly constantly pointing us to Jesus and his service and loving care for us. And as we see here in Acts chapter 6, where the first deacons were called to, among other things, serve tables. So our deacons, in our tradition, prepare the table and invite us to the meal. But Jesus himself says in John 14 that he, Jesus, goes to prepare a place for us. Jesus is described as getting things ready for our ultimate arrival. And the biblical picture in Isaiah and in Revelation depicts us our arrival as this great meal when we finally enter the fullness of God's kingdom. And so sort of taking this whole biblical picture of Jesus getting everything ready, the image is of Jesus getting ready and preparing a great meal, marriage feast, for us and him together. When you think of Psalm 23, verse 5, God is depicted as setting a table and hosting us as his guests for his meal. Psalm 25, uh, 23, verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. And so when we see a deacon setting the table, these are the sorts of things that should be coming to mind. God preparing a table for us and inviting us as his guests. And I want you to let that really sink in. God is pictured as preparing a feast and welcoming us to his table. In Christ, we are invited to the king's table, to God's table, to a feast in which we are among the honored guests. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection for us, because of his great love in choosing to adopt us, because of his great and undeserved grace, we are welcomed to his table. We eat of his food, and we are honored as his guests. And every time we watch as the deacon sets the table at communion, we are reminded of this incredible grace, that God prepares a feast for us and we're invited. So as it says in Revelation, and the priest will say in just a few minutes, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. See, friends, we who trust in Jesus who receive his grace and mercy and who follow him as members of his church, marvel on marvels, we are invited guests to God's table. The beauty of the gospel message that we are loved and redeemed and made new and welcomed by God. And our office of the deacon points us to that truth in Jesus. So as we prepare to come to the table for communion, hear again the incredible message of Jesus that through his grace, you are invited. You are invited to God's banquet 
You are welcomed and clothed in Jesus' own righteousness. And as you see in the service of the deacon today, remember that this is part of how God continues to shepherd his people. And that this ministry is for the good and for the growth of the church. And this service is supposed to remind you of your calling to serve. And this is designed to point you to Jesus and his ultimate invitation to his heavenly banquet. And you are invited. This is the truth that we know in Jesus. And those who wear these stoles diagonally across their chest are there to remind us of this. I want to close in prayer using a prayer that would be used in the ordination of a deacon in our tradition. So let's pray. Almighty God, by your divine providence, you appointed various orders of ministers in your church, and you inspired your apostles to appoint to the order of deacons the first martyr Stephen with others. Mercifully behold these your servants, now called to the same office and administration. So fill them with the truth of your doctrine and adorn them with holiness of life, that by word and good example they may faithfully serve you in this office to the glory of your name and the edification of your church. Through the merits of our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen.